Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson, Jonathan Gordon, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. Make sure to go on over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and find all of our other great podcasts and articles and all the things you don't want to miss. If you haven't already, head on over there and sign up for your free seven-day trial. And after that, it's just $9.99 a month for all that great content you do not want to miss. Got a great show for you tonight. We had a 42 seconds there of silence. Thank you for allowing us to get that tribute to Chadwick Boseman for tonight's show. We're going to cover some things that are out there, cancel culture, rookie preparation versus no preseason, and coaches versus PR. But first, get a few topics around the news that made some waves this week. We had a couple things, uh, I think, that just hit today, Jonathan. Uh, there was a big scare, uh, especially for me as an O-line guy. Uh, one of the big scares was Nate Davis, starting right guard, was reported to be carted off to the locker room. Now, luckily, it appears it was just a major cramp to his leg, so that's good. But also, Derek Roberson... Robertson, excuse me, was also injured with a lower leg injury, carted off, and was had to be helped off from there. So his appears appears to be more serious. Uh, for the life of me, I couldn't find anything exactly what happened to him other than it's just a lower leg. So we'll wait to hear more about that. It looks like he may be dealing something a little more serious than Nate Davis. But this opens up with that. There was a big conversation, some panic set in uh, through social media that I saw. And even myself, I started going through, well, if Nate Davis isn't there, then who is going to play right guard for the Titans? And just did you see any of that? There was some some immediate kind of panic when when one of your starting O lineman goes down. Yeah, I think especially the way this team is formed uh, is definitely around the the run game. They want to pound the ball, and I think you talk about all offseason, we've talked about offensive consistency and being able to just kind of run it back. That's kind of the theme, run it back. Right. So you lose that that offensive lineman, and that, that scare all of a sudden, you start, oh gosh, what are we going to do here? Um, obviously, from a coaching perspective, you, you want to just keep grinding next man up. Next sure. man up, but for from a fan perspective, you definitely get the uh, anxiety all of a sudden because that's such a cohesive unit. You're hoping that not just consistency from schematically, but also the consistency of really bringing back that offensive line and that that cohesion that they had from playing together. Especially if you're talking about bringing in a rookie on that right side, on that right tackle in some capacity, uh, you you don't want to lose what you have there. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of different options up there uh, floating out there about sliding people down, p- pulling people in. Uh, Jamil Douglas was was a name that was out there that would fit right in. I mean, he's played before, he started before. There were some nightmares there before. He also did have some good moments. Um, I did see out there as well that people were like, what's the big deal? Nate Davis is the worst offensive lineman. That may be. If you compare him to the other starting positions uh, of the offensive line, it may well end up that Nate ranks last. However... He's your starter at that position for a reason because nobody else on the team as it stands is better than him. So even if it's your worst offensive lineman that, that's been working with this group, replacing him with a backup isn't a great thing, especially when you're returning the the, the rushing king. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's 
when you say that uh, he may be the worst, it, he still got progressively better. And we yeah, got to remember. I wasn't fair there. And I, and, and, and I'll no, I said it. Finish. That yeah. was my exact words is he may be the worst of the offensive linemen. And that's true. But that you also to, you know, play both sides here. Yeah. He, he was a rookie last year. Sure. And did he show standard improvement or gradual improvement throughout the year? He definitely did. So, I mean, I think it's definitely a loss if he's out for any significant amount of time. So th- there's a reason he got put in over Jamil Douglas. Mm-hmm. And so to have to run back, if it's anything significant, it definitely can, can mess with some things. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I wasn't being very fair. Like, I just want to back you up a little bit because I think that there has been some of that out there that he he's the worst offensive lineman that he didn't have a good year last year. Well, I, th- I actually think that he had some rough patches, especially early, and there were some there were some plays that could have gone for massive gains had he just been able to cut off his block or get those things. But those things will happen at any offensive line. I don't care where you are. I thought he got tremendously better, and over those past those last four or five games, I really thought he he improved his stock and his ability. I was really excited to see what he can, he's going to do coming in. So hearing that news didn't, didn't sit well with me for sure. But on the other side of that, you know, we talked about, you mentioned something just a second ago. We, I'm going to keep plugging the, the coach Selfo interview because it was good, but he did, as long as Nate Davis is making headlines, I'm going to bring up his college self-promotion as college offensive line coach. But he, he had a, in that interview, he talked about, you want to have the next man up mentality. You want to be accountable to yourself. So you would hope that that would happen in a professional, but it's in a professional stance, but I don't want that to have to be the thing if you don't have to. So I would prefer Nate Davis to start into play and to be okay. So luckily, like we said, we're going into this a little bit because it was just a cramp, but it was interesting because it was almost this immediate spark across social media that I saw. I was like, oh, what are we going to do? Who's going to do this? We're going to slide that. On that note, before we move on from that, any any thought to – sliding in a tackle down to the right guard spot, like Dennis Kelly sliding down, maybe Isaiah Wilson as the run ball, the, the just bulldozer that he is, it looks like he can be, moving him down to the right guard slot? I mean, I'm an avid believer of you find your best five. Uh, and so I think if Dennis Kelly is that next guy, it, you really I think it's going to come down to how much time it would um, Nate Davis be missing. If it's going to yep. be an extended amount of time, then again, there was a reason Jamil Douglas got benched. There's a reason that um, that you you tried Nate Davis in that spot. So mm-hmm. I think if it's an extended amount of time, then you start looking at other options there. Now, uh, Dennis Kelly, he can he's a versatile guy. You could possibly move him inside. He has a number uh, four tight end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's one of those that uh, I don't think Dennis Kelly would be a great option at guard I'm not the offensive lineman but if I remember correctly in in what limited experience he has there it wasn't exactly a resounding uh experiment so uh, I think whenever you look at what they could try there I think it would be that next man up it's going to be Jamil Douglas but if it was like he if he tore his ACL and he's going to be out for the entire season I think at that point you're starting to look at who's out there on the free agent wire oh yeah that you for sure find. Yeah, that's that's a great point as well. But so luckily we're not having to have that conversation yet. But it does kind of make you think. Do, do, do you think that maybe uh, John Robinson maybe starts to go? Oh, okay. Maybe we should look around real quick, just in case. Because maybe before we start making some fifty-three man decisions, uh, and we'll get to the, we talked about some some things here, rookie preparation and some of those decisions. So we'll get to that later on. But do you think maybe you could see some some testing the waters, sticking your toe in a little bit now? Yeah, I think you get Jadavian Clowney to come play guard. <laughs> 
I mean, I think that that's the clear option that you want to Look, uh, that you want to bring in here. Uh, he's just sitting out there, so he can really double up for you. I'm sure, based on all the things that you hear, Clowney can play every position out there. Yep. Uh, Emergency and, quarterback, exactly. So red I think, zone target for for receiver. Perfect. There yeah. we go. So, but speaking of edge, we, the uh, other piece of news, obviously Ro- Robertson was also injured. Uh, if that tends to be a little serious, I'm bummed about that because he really came on into last year as well. And uh, not the end, but you saw sparks throughout the season last year. And, and this is an edge guy who can speak, but that's it. He's, he's not an every down guy. He's kind of a specialist off that defense, but he also brings especially that this defense is lacking. So you see a guy that can, can help in that area go down it's not thrilling. So now you start thinking, well, yeah, maybe Clowney is very important to get in here. Maybe uh, the news of Beasley riding a bike is bigger because maybe he's getting closer to joining the the practice, uh, the practices and everything like that. Yeah. I think the most disappointing thing for, for, from a coaching perspective is you, you see these guys putting in all the work in the off season and everything you look at for Roberson was that he'd put on the, put on some size. He had really put in the work in the off season was really giving himself a chance to contribute here in the, in the, the season. And so for him to have any sort of injury, that's just, that's super disappointing. I, I don't think he was going to be a starter off the edge, but he was definitely a right. speed guy yeah. um, that could contribute. And so uh, it's disappointing. And again, we'll see what ends up happening and the extent of his injury. But y- you hate for these dudes that, you you know, you're two weeks away. Right. Because that's part of coaching is you build that that camaraderie with these players. And, you know, Vrabel, um, he's a genuine, authentic guy. All of their coaches seem to have that sort of relationship where they they, they do have that personal relationship with right. them. So to see them put in the offseason work and then come in and you're less than two weeks away so you're 13 days away from that opening day, and with no preseason, you never got to actually take the field and go against anybody. So right. that's that's just disappointing to see anybody get hurt. Yeah, and you hear all this about the, they should they should cut down preseason games and all this. If you weren't in a, a, a preseason a shortened preseason due to COVID, anyway, you hear those gripes. But here's the thing: injuries can happen at any point in time, and we've already seen across. Is do the Eagles even have a team anymore based on all the injuries they're dealing with? I mean, it's just it, it happens in practice. It can happen anytime. Uh, and maybe the argument there is they're going a little. Maybe teams are going a little harder in practice because they don't have the preseason games right now to evaluate. So maybe that's it. But I mean, Derwin James just went down for the for the Chargers as well. So I mean, he's going to be out what eight weeks potentially. Yeah, that dude stays injured. Stays. I mean, but hey, he's 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 best one of the best safeties in the league, right? Even though he's. Yeah, when healthy, I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, he true, definitely true, is. But I know there's it... some animosity here in the Nashville area <laughs> about uh, all the credit that he was getting, and you know, Kevin Byard is uh, perpetually underrated, which there's some truth to that. But yes, uh, it, it's uh, it's something that again, you hate to see it. But the to steal from another one of our guests, Jason Spray, the best ability is availability, and got to stay on the field. So. I'm ticked. I'm ticked because that that's, it keeps getting attributed to Jason Spray. I've been saying that statement, I, and I totally stole it from somebody else. But it's on my show. On my show, I should at least get credit for my own sayings. Okay, so your your favorite saying that Jason Spray also brought to the show <laughs> as one of our hosts. So go and check out that episode, too. Uh, so that also brings in with, with Roberson. It's just it's sad for him. It also kind of brings the need – that they still have that 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 weakness, that hole to still go through. 
as far as the edge is concerned. So the clown, every bit of clowning news, you see it's out there that the Titans may just be frustrated. I think it broke today that, that they can't even get him in for a physical. There's nothing really restricting it. They just can't get him in for it. That's really frustrating them because they want to see where he's at. He's wanting too much money. So that's a whole saga that I don't really feel like unpeeling that layer at this well, point. And time. If, you're gonna, just, if you think you're overpaying a guy based on what you think he's worth, which clearly there's in some sort of standoff, but you're going to make sure that physical's good. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, if, if you're paying a premium for something, you want to know that they're going to be good. And as a fan of the, of this team, I want to make sure as well. I don't, I don't want them, them overpaying and not knowing exactly what they've got under the hood there with that. So for sure. But of course you've got the one on the bike Beasley, like we talked about. So he's getting closer. Uh, we'll we actually get into that subject a little bit more, a little later on. Um, the other news, uh, Isaiah Wilson and the very bad day. I think it was reported out from camp that he, yeah, there's some issues with the stance. He looks slow. He looks sluggish. He, he obviously is a bust already. Everybody take a deep breath. Cut him. You good? No. <laughs> I said take a deep breath. Cut him. It was one day. I think the, the reports the very next day was that he rebounded. He had a, he he looked good again. Here's the thing. He's a rookie. And we knew from reports coming out of the draft that if he goes back to college, he's a top 15 pick the next year. That tells me that all the experts knew he needed another year of seasoning. Everyone knew that. So you can't, now that he shows up to an NFL team, all, all of a sudden go, oh, well, he can be ready to go right away. The things that are impressive are his size, how he moves. He is quick for his size. There was a drill that they were running where they were doing a, a cut drill where they had they had the dummies lined up uh, and the, the guards were, I guess it was all guards, could have been, I guess it could have been all offensive linemen. I just saw it was Nate Davis and then it was Isaiah Wilson. So it could have been tackles and I said guards, good grief. So it could have just been those. I didn't see Ben Jones back there. Yeah, you can but, tell you're an offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah no kidding. So for they se- were for several reasons. <laughs> anyway, so they were they're diving at the bottom of the of the um, the pad to simulate a, a cutting drill, which was really cool. And he looked explosive going through that. So I, I, the explosive for his size, the explosions there. He's got good feet. He's got a good base. I think that possibly when those cut comments came out, they were just from a bad day. And I think everyone is allowed. I mean, look look at yourself in the mirror. Are you allowed to have a bad day every once in a while? I know I've had a bad day every once in a while. No bad days. Isn't isn't that an offense? That's like the offensive lineman I thing, think right? You, no I, bad days. No bad days. You can't let the bad days get to you. That's the important part. And you can rebound off of that. But it, 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 from outside of looking in, sometimes people are just off a little bit. and It doesn't always click. And with, you have a rookie coming in that's learning so much, that's learning all these plays, that's trying to catch up to the speed. And, and again, not having preseason to go back on, not to harp on this because we'll get to it in a second, is there's some delay there and you have to be expectant of that. So again, like we said, we're not looking for Isaiah Wilson to be the starting right tackle, at least not right away, especially that's Dennis Kelly's job in my opinion for this reason, because he needs more time. So we'll see. We haven't had a game to look at to see how he reacts. So you've got a little bit of experience at offensive line playing, coaching yeah. it just a tad bit. Uh, have, have you seen any issues with not, this stance? Not that I can tell. He he's, he's a bit, He's a, he's a large man, so his hips are a little raised, possibly, and he's a little front-forward leaning, but he also prefers to maul. But when he gets out of it, he does go to pop up. But again, he's a large man, and it's kind of hard to fit all that in. So what, what looks like he may be popping up to someone who's 6'1", 6'2", may not be necessarily standing straight up because he still has some good body lean. He still has some good uh, bend in his knee a little bit. Now, he is stiff through the hips, but again – 
my offensive tackles, I don't want them to be wide receivers as far as their their flexibility. It'd be great if they were. You know, you're talking about the Titans, right? Right. I mean, they had multiple <laughs> offensive linemen touchdowns last yeah, year. Yeah, but right? that doesn't speak to their flexibility. They just do a good job of getting open and catching passes. So Sounds like a good wide receiver. <laughs> sounds like a great tight end. Anyway, uh, my point there being is that I don't really see any glaring – not like when Nate Davis came in and he had the frogman stance, which he worked on and got got his hips up and was able to get a little more balanced play style. Um, we'll see. I haven't seen anything that was just alarming to me. I tried to go back and look. It would be helpful if I, when I saw the comments came out, if I could see exactly what the video they were talking about or I couldn't find anything. All And all the, the videos I've been able to see, that's the other thing too, is we're doing all this through looking through sideline video that is 45, 50 yards away through a cell phone. And it's kind of tough to tell, but from, from what I'm seeing, there's nothing that just stuck out to me that says that's a problem. He needs to completely overhaul that. And here's the other thing to consider. And we're not in the room for this. They may have seen a little thing they want to tweak and he may be in the process of working on something that fighting some of his natural tendencies because they're asking him to work on something. So maybe some of his missteps or maybe him doing something that looks a little odd or doesn't look like it should could be him working on things as well to try to, uh, Taking his coach, taking the coaching that he's receiving, and applying that to the play. No, I mean, I, who am I to argue? <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I, I don't see a reason for the alarm just yet. Um, do you, do you want to call out the person that was saying it? No, I don't. <laughs> no, don't we play so. nice. We play nice. I, I also would like to, if, if that person, if we could have them on, I can get them to maybe explain what they meant, and then we can talk about it. And that's the thing that is, I think it's kind of tough when you take a tweet. And then you want to try to decipher exactly what someone means. He could have just, he could have meant about three or four different things there, to be honest with you, by saying his stance looked away. Because was he too extended? Was he too high? Was he too low to the left? Was he leaning one way or the other? You know, just, just, I'm not sure exactly what he meant. So I'd love to have that. If he wanted to come on, that'd be great. <laughs> but, <laughs> come, so, on de- come on, defend your stance. Come on, defend your stance. <laughs> I like that. So uh, we did reach out and we asked for, uh, uh, speaking of things coming to us on the Coach's Corner, we did reach out and ask for a few questions from our listeners. And we did get a couple in um, through Twitter. First one from, and, and I apologize if I butcher this, from Boshua Jowser, at Bowser underscore J. His question, I wonder if we're going to open up the passing game to five wide formations and such more often, I think is what he's getting at there. So he's asking is the Titans who have from existence, it seems like, but a power run and that's, and they go through the run is going to open up to five wide. Now in the past, no. Jonathan, you and I have talked about how nice it would be if the Titans did open it up a little more. Did you ever mean open it up to a five wide type of an offense? Uh, sure. I think that'd be really fun. Um, <laughs> I think as we talk about who is going to be the number four and five wide receivers on this team, I think that in and of itself. Um, now, uh, let me say that most NFL teams rarely go true five wide. They, yeah. they, they may have some tight ends split out. Some well, that's what I was going to say. Out. So let's talk about that real quick. So you'd have A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Humphreys, Gleef, and then Janu. Would be probably if you were going to go five wide, that's probably what I would throw out there. Or a Darrington Evans, maybe. Or a Darrington Evans, sure. So I mean, it's not going to be five receivers, as I think is the point you're making. The Titans are more likely to go five wide with three tight ends and Darrington Evans, and then bunch them up and then run to the right. Yep, <laughs> or run to the left. I should say, run left. So it's a it's a great idea. I'll say this: um, 
I'm just say Joshua, <laughs> Joshua. It's a great idea, and it would it would make for exciting offense, and that's a fun offense to watch, right? As a fan, and it produces potential for up and down. You know, you have the Chiefs to go this, but I'll say this: the, the Titans aren't built like the Chiefs are, and they don't have that philosophy. And when you have a running back that is as good at what he does, see the argument for Derrick Henry is that. He's good at what he does, but he's not considered one of the top, I guess, running backs because he's not the complete package at running back. Well, why is he not the complete package? Because he's not a huge threat in the passing game. He could be. Now, if he if he's able to catch it cleanly, caveat, and have some space and get gone, yes, he's a, he's a home run threat in the screen game, getting a pass and taking to the house if he can outrun some things. But I'm just saying, from what I've seen, he tends to fight his receptions a little bit. He, he tends to... He's not a natural pass catcher, and it seems like he's having to work a little harder at it, which can lead to drops. Now, now they haven't given ample ample opportunity, but he's not that type of running back. So, to me, by saying going five wide, kind of tells me that you're taking one of your best assets that you have built your team around and drafted kind of around and have an offensive mindset around, you're taking him off the field. So, Based on the timing of when this question came in, it was probably in response to um, the Nate Davis injury news. Possibly. And so let me, I get the thought process of, cool, we need to throw it more because this is going to affect our run game. But what happens when you go five wide and you got five people and only five people in pass blocking? The Titans have always tended to have extra protection. And when you have an offensive line that can't hold up, because possibly there's injuries there, you tend they have always tended uh, to leave extra guys in to assist with the pass blocking. So I think that's the more likely scenario. You're still gonna they've always been and Arthur Smith has been uh, play action heavy, mm-hmm. but I think you may see more of those frustrating uh, two yeah. to three man routes, late breakers coming out of pass block pass pro, um, which. You kind of, it's kind of a catch-22. Which one do you do? do? Do you leave less guys in and get the ball out? That's my tendency, personally, is that um, you want to get the ball out quicker, and you know that's how Tom Brady stays healthy. But based on history, I would expect they're going to say, hey, we can't hold up. We need to leave guys in to protect. So that leads even fewer guys going out in their routes. Now, if they brought it in as a wrinkle every once in a while, I would be all for it. Just, just so we're clear, I don't think you have a bad idea or a bad question at all because I think there's some things you can do with it. I just think that I, how they're set up now, I don't think they're going to. And I'm, your question is, do I think they're going to? No, I don't. Would I be okay with it? In the right circumstances, sure, I would love it because I think it would add an extra wrinkle to this offense. So moving on to our next question, we got in from Gershon Fredericks at the underscore Mr. Underscore Goodbar. I'm really interested in seeing how defensive play calling will work. I think losing Dean Pease could be a bigger deal than many others seem to think. Now, Jonathan, kicking it to you first, because we did cover this a little bit. We talked a little bit with this with Teron on one of our past shows. Oh, we're hitting all the past shows tonight. And then we also covered it in another show about the defensive outlook. But, but just Mr. Fredericks here and his question about the play calling and losing Dean Pease. What are your thoughts to start with there with losing Dean Pease and what, and what this team faces there? Oh, losing Dean Pease is a huge loss. I I think anybody that's underselling that is truly underselling it. I mean, I think they have a good strategy Mm -hmm. for moving on, or they think they do. Uh, In that past episode, episode, so I'm going to keep this brief, um, is that I'm concerned with Vrabel stretching himself too thin. But And obviously, 
We haven't had any preseason games. We don't know exactly how they're going to address it. Obviously, Shane Bowen is kind of that second-in-command on defense, but who is truly handling those game-day opportunities and play calls, we don't know yet. So, it, 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 unfortunately, there's not a direct answer, but I would agree. I agree that it could be a big loss, and um, it, it's something to truly be monitored. And we talked about it throughout the offseason, and then uh, we talked about it at the beginning. Obviously, we talked about it on our show, but I don't know that we will have an answer until that Monday night game. For sure. I mean, the assumption is, and we've talked about it, Shane Bowen is going to be the next in command. Vrabel's going to help out, but possibly in game time, if Vrabel's handling other things, then it's going to be Shane Bowen. And I, until we, I have reason to, to say that it's not going to work, I'm willing to give it a chance. Well, and you already talked about kind of that edge depth, and this team, especially Dean P specifically, has always relied heavily on that manufactured pressure. So it's not just, hey, go run cover two, cover three, cover four, and be done with it. Each play call is very, very meaningful in how they actually operate as a defense. Uh, They're not just going out there and beating you man-to-man. Obviously, that helps, but the scheme itself and having the right play call matched up against what the offense is running is very, very important. Not to undersell how important it is for other teams, but this team specifically has made a living on manufactured pressure. So there's a lot of emphasis on those play calling. Yep. So I... Thank y'all for the questions. Uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter at coaches on broad at any time with any questions like that. And we'll, we'll, we'll address them on the show. So we really appreciate the uh, quick call out and the uh, two questions we got. So thank you so much for those. Uh, but moving on to, uh, other news around, we, that's kind of the current news. Uh, some big things have happened for the Titans. Uh, we've covered big news around the league. Uh, well, especially in the AFC South was the Jacksonville Jaguars cut ties with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and that definitely spurned some questions about uh, about both the Jags and what's next for Fournette. But uh, obviously, in 2017, the uh, the Jags completely decided either at that point that they were actually going to try and put an emphasis on culture, or they uh, just canceled everything. It's something that you look at from a locker room perspective. You these guys that you keep hearing about when they made their run in 2017. There was each one of them has had other than your Calais Campbell and uh, AJ Boye. Uh, it, it's something that they've all had something in the locker room that they did just butted heads with Doug Marone. Um, and so are they trying? You kind of sometimes have to burn it down. But good lord, are they burning it down? So what do you think they're participating in? If you had to put a, a phrase on what they're doing there in that locker room? Oh, I have no idea. I it's it's just. When you look at how you build a locker room and you look at who tends to be successful long term, especially not only in the NFL, but in in college, any type of football, any sustained success has a strong culture from the team. Mm -hmm. And you look at the Jags, they don't have any culture. Really canceled it, in other words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those that whenever you look at the hot term around town, I mean, it's cancel culture. Well, the Jags are officially canceled. So it's one of those that you you look at um, your Jalen Ramsey's ultimately talented, but obviously got some, uh, he's a personality. 
Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a, our own Mr. Lebowski. <laughs> there's there's a lot. Dogs. There is a lot of personalities that were in that locker room. And when you look at what they're building here in Tennessee, what they have in New England, what they have um, in when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, all these teams have strong locker rooms, strong yes, no culture, doubt. and they're team first guys. So you know you're getting ready for this um, cut down day uh, as the Titans kind of approach it. You kind of have to balance that. Do I take the guy that may have um, a little more performance, or do is it really that team first mentality? Now the Titans have done a really good job of that. That's just checking a box. Right. You're a team first guy, or you're not here. Right. And then so it, it, you almost kind of make that decision a little harder when you when you first get here, and if you have a culture problem, trust me. The only problem with the Jags is that the team that they had built are the same people that are running it now. So right. it's hard it's, to believe it's... that they're just going to burn it down. Yeah, you're, 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 you're... going to build it up the same way, right? Are you, there's, there's no evidence that tells me that you're going to do anything different this time. Yeah, and so I think when you look at how the teams are going to, how the Titans are built and how successful teams are built, it starts with culture. It starts with having those guys, and then you move forward. Is it what? What can this guy do on the field? But if if you're not a team first guy, then you're not a, you, right now. You're not a Titan. Yeah, and team first guy, potential, you touched on it there, performance first potential. Um, at some point in time, it doesn't matter. It, well, it, you, you talked about the diminishing returns start to pile up, and I think we can finally put to bed who's the better running back in the AFC South, right? Uh, you know, it's really up in the air. You know, um, Fournette did have 76 catches last year. He sure did, and he can go to a team that will use him more for that as the third down running back. Are you taking him here? That's a very interesting question because I do, if you looked at what, what he had coming out of college, right? He was very talented and he looked like an NFL running back. He has some talent. Would you want that as your number two punch? Sure. The talent from a talent perspective and what he could be. However, there's a reason why he's been jettisoned off that team. Things didn't work out there. I don't really want to upset the apple cart when you have such a good thing in, in kind of the pecking order you have now. Now, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, after things happen, you would love to have that number two who can step in to a larger role if something were to happen. But I'm not sure you want to really necessarily bring that in now. Now, again, is you can get him to come in cheap and he fits and you, and you sit him down and you find out that it was more of the Jags locker room versus him? Sure. Willing to hear it out. Well, and the, the, the thing is, is... It, you talk about getting him in cheap. I'm not sure that's even going to be too much of an option because I think he's going to want his money. When you look at the way his contract was structured as a rookie, there's no offsets. So what does offsets mean? It means that uh, it, until you reach the point of that contract the Jags had signed him, the Jags would continue paying him. Well, the Jags are going to pay him any well. There are going to be lawyers involved. However, <laughs> let's say that the way that the way that the contract is structured is how it sticks. Um, the Jags are going to pay him that regardless, so he can still go out and look for that money, so he can kind of double up, get what the Jags are paying. Oh yeah. See, if he didn't have the, if it wasn't structured that way, then. And there's not a whole lot of wiggle room in rookie contracts nowadays, but this is a topic that continues to come up because in the event that you get cut, these rookies want to be able to double up these first round rookies. And so for Fournette, if that wasn't there, you could go get him for a league minimum salary because he's still going to be getting that 4.1, I believe it was, million dollars from the Jags. Now, he is going to get that, but he has the opportunity to double up. And so you, you don't really have that same negotiating power where, hey, you're getting this money. We're obviously not going to pay you, uh, you know, over that 4.1. So take the take this 
smaller amount and just run with it. So you, you see those opportunities, and I, I just not sure unless there's just literally no market for it. Um, I I don't know how cheap he's going to be willing to come. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. I think you said there's because there, there I think there's going to be a market for him. I, I, there's a few teams out there that would love to have him based on their situation. And there's and there and here's the thing: if he holds out for a little bit too, it's going to happen. There's going to be running back injuries. It happens every year. I, I hate to say that, but it does. So you're going to have teams that are going to need a starting caliber running back and someone who hasn't been out of the league for a couple of years. He's he's pretty fresh in the game, as it were. As he's not, he hasn't been sitting at home for a year. You don't have to wonder uh, about his conditioning, those kinds of things. If he passes physicals and all that, I mean, so that it's going to happen. So that his market may be a little hotter than what people are saying because I think we get caught up sometimes thinking. Everything about the Jags suck. Well, he's still an NFL player who can contribute somewhere. And you look at bringing him into the Titans, and let's just say everything worked out, right? Price-wise, I'm not even going to say for the right price or for anything. Just say that everyone agreed to it. They're not going to spend their money elsewhere, and they want to bring him in. Would you rather have him or Darrington Evans, who's been hurt a little bit? What about McNichols? Yeah, or so you've got this – You've get, my point is, would you rather have him or whoever you're going to have number two between those two on the Titans? Yeah, I mean, schematically, schematically, I think he's a fit. Oh, for I, sure. I think you you have a, a guy who made his living kind of running downhill. The Jags never really had any sort of um, identity on offense. I think they had this idea of what they wanted to be, but their offensive line was never the never very good. Um, the the Titans obviously, um, with Derrick Henry, have a very they have a very pointed personality on offense, and mm-hmm. I do think Fournette is a guy that could fit that. There's less of a difference in the running style if he if Derrick Henry goes down, that it would make sense. But I'm not sure that um, Fournette's going to be a guy that wants to come in and play backup. Yeah, and that and that's why I said I don't want to upset the the apple cart because I mean he's not going to want to come in and be second fiddle anywhere, but I think he's going to have to try to at least come in there based on the situations that he could work himself into. But let's be honest, wouldn't you love to see him run against the Jags in the AFC South twice a year? Well, no, because then it means you're taking Derrick Henry off the field, who is the Jag Slayer. I mean, like that's that's I, a very good point. I mean, you take you can, there's only one football to go around, and if you want him playing against any well after team, after Derrick Henry has this two eighty. Then you can have for the whole uh, quarter and a half that's left in the game. What a great opportunity! <laughs> what a great opportunity to get your rookies some playing time. That's a good point. You're going to shoot down this whole joke, aren't you? No, I mean I get the joke, but that's the thing that's kind of got me. If I mean if he's a former Colt, awesome, awesome. Bring it, bring him in because he can be the Colt Slayer. But I, I'm letting Derrick Henry run. That's a very good point. My joke missed that entirety, so I apologize there. Uh, so. Obviously, that's our feelings on Fournette. Uh, I think he still could be a very capable running back in the NFL. He's going to find a home, probably not with the Titans, just how they're set up. I just don't think that he would come in, A, and that it's going to be the right timing or anything like that. Not to say they couldn't use him in the 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 just-in-case scenarios, but that's probably not what he's looking for. Um, speaking of the rookie running back and the development, the big problem here, and we've harped on it throughout a couple shows here, is the preseason or lack thereof versus the the – the rookie preparation and how they're not able to really have those games for, it's not just the, it's not just the, the, yes, the experience for the players. Sure. But it gives the coaches a chance to see them in game time situation and then tweak and 
craft their practices around, hey, this is what you're struggling on. Make sure that when you're in this drill, we can build this up to to helping you out. And this will help you out in those kind of plays. Now, you're if you're going to play these rookies early in real meaningful games, regular season games that count, you're going to have to be coaching on the fly a lot more than you were. Not that you're not anyway, but you don't have this luxury of maybe working out some of these little bugs beforehand. Now you got to work them out there. So you've got the you got all these rookies and and you bringing in veterans and you made this prediction. What a great year to to rely on veteran back end players who you know what you've got in them. So maybe their their ceiling isn't as great, but you know what you're getting and you can count on them. And that brings in like a guy like Will Compton. So just real quick, talk me through those the rookies versus a guy like Will Compton and what this looks for the back end of that roster. So it's not even just that you know you need that experience, but you always talk about that rookie wall. Mm-hmm. And, and that rookie wall in this entire messed up offseason that we've had, it, it's something that rookies, they don't get an offseason. They go strictly and straight from playing football to immediately preparing for the draft mm-hmm. into OTAs, into the season. And the problem with the way things are structured right now is, it's tough to get back in football shape. And trust me, when you're preparing for the draft, you're preparing to run fast on a straight line. You're preparing to run around cones. You're not preparing for football. They're completely different. I don't want to say completely different. That's a little dramatic. I don't want to be, you know, hyperbolic here, but it's not the easiest transition. So not having the same amount of preparation to get ready to actually play football games, I feel like you're going to see some of that rookie wall even sooner than in others, other years. So having that vet, those veterans that know what to prepare for, not just in the game, but in the off season is even more or in between games in the classroom. Those kinds of things are even more important to have on your team. So that, yeah, Will Compton, you know what you're getting. I mean, yeah, he is, he's older than some of these guys, but you really have to factor that in in how you're preparing each week for this there was a little shot or i don't, I don't want to say shot but there was a little comment from shane bowen that will compton was faster and, and <laughs> better than what he was expecting He's coming sneaky in. athletic sneaky athletic so and, and i don't think will like if you're will how do you how do you take that you know <laughs> were you expecting some slug to come in i mean no so you know what you're getting out of it. at the very least he gives you excellent depth at the linebacker position, kind of a security blanket there, but he's also going to contribute in special teams. He's been a, he's been a great special team contributor everywhere he's, he's been. And to be honest, if he's ever pressed for time, he fills in quite nicely. Now, there's still going to be people right now as the roster's built that are going to start over him and should, and should get the bulk of the playing time. But things happen if he's forced, if he's, if you're counting on him for a game or two or series between in between, that's someone you can count on because you know he's been there before. He's 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 a veteran at this point. He's been through multiple multiple teams, multiple cadences, calls, experiences in live game action, and can can help you out there. Yeah, and we talk about locker room guy. Obviously, he's For a sure. huge locker room guy. Uh, you, if you listen to um, the tape with the Titan that um, will be appearing at some point. Uh, so those, there's a couple references to Compton and kind of the locker room guy that he was. And just when you think about that, bringing a guy like that back that everybody seems to love, yeah, sometimes 
you make some exceptions. You run, you, you kind of sand off some corners here or there. Um, and that's the balance that we, that we talk about that, that potential versus uh, locker room, that potential versus culture, potential versus performance kind sure. of thing. And so he, he's a guy that is obviously just going to slide right in. I'm not sure if he's a lock, but if you've listened to um, Zach of F words pod, you're not putting guys that you're cutting on the zoom calls. That's a very good point. <laughs> That's an extremely good point. And, and he's going to go a long way. So like, this is also, you have to, you have to kind of consider what he's, you're going to be losing from him by cutting him in, in that team leadership. And I think that cannot be understated. So I agree hundred percent with you there. And these rookies, I, I hate it for them. This is a weird year for them. And some of these, especially these guys who are like, you know, I'm not so much worried about all this stuff about cutting as they're not going to cut Isaiah Wilson, get out of here. Um, and some of those, you know, Darrington Evans, the 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 higher picks, Christian Folden, obviously, are not going to get cut. But the back end guys, obviously, you already saw that they pulled the cord pretty quick on Cole McDonald. I mean, it's just we've said it over and over again. But I just feel for him because they're not getting the proper shot. But it's not just on the Titans; it's across the NFL. Some of these guys aren't getting the same shot. I mean, you wouldn't have your Austin Ecklers and your your. I can't think of anyone else right now that made, uh, I think that what was the guy for the chiefs a couple of years ago who literally came and sat outside and, and like had to email the team his own highlight. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's Chan dark. Charkandrick West. Yes. Charkandrick. It was a great story for Mr. West. And, but you wouldn't have that because he came in and with those preseason games, he really wowed them. I think for a little bit of a stretch there, he was their starting running back. And there were some injuries, but he was able to start in the NFL and he was, Really which, good. Which proves a point. You don't go spend money on Leonard right, Fournette nice. to be the backup. There we go. Because you can just pick a guy up off the street. You can go find Shark Andrew West. He'll probably be in a bunk bed somewhere sending you videos about his highlights from college. Anyway, I digress. So you have you spit you you mentioned Zoom calls and all all of these you're having all these great interactions, these interviews through Zoom calls, through Zoom meetings. It's kind of a new world for media members, right? They're having to call into Zooms, watch through there, not in the room looking at coaches. This is the first time some of these seasoned veterans have had to deal with this. And you've had some really interesting, interesting interactions, I would say. I think it's playful. It just it comes off as playful. But but PK was out right yelling at Vrabel the other day about if, basically to sum up. I don't remember the exact words. Was like, well, hey, if you if you if you don't want to give a non-answer about Beasley, or if you're not whatever, then if you want to stop asking, then just give us something. Essentially, you know, there was a there was a comment about he's up on a pillow in your office, something like that. Well. There's this whole coaching versus PR, right? And this whole chess match. And in a team that runs themselves, and they're, it's, I don't think we're going out of bounds by saying they're the baby Patriots as far as their mentality, their, their, the way they go about things. And this is more from that Belichick playbook. Keep everything close to the vest at arm's length, and we'll let you know what you need to know. And what we determine. And you, you see this, the media doesn't like that because it's their job to report on the team and, and especially in a season where they're not around the team as much and they're relying on these coaches to give them something. I can see where it'd be frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I think, I do think Brable's significantly more antagonistic towards the media <laughs> than Brable sure. or than uh, Belichick, Belichick is. Yeah. yeah. Belichick just kind of ignores them and moves on. Uh, Vrabel likes to play he games pokes, with them. Pokes yeah. and prods. And so it, he kind of opens himself up to that a little bit. Uh, and I will say, regarding the um, Vic Beasley situation, I don't think the team is necessarily doing him any favors as far as perception goes. Sure. But there may be something to that. I don't think necessarily, at, again, 
nothing's been confirmed, but there were rumors that they didn't really know where he was at. He wasn't communicating either. There may be some animosity, and this is where playing that business, in the end, it's a business. you you got to show up and play kind of thing, but we don't owe you any favors. So I do think from that perspective, they could handle it a little bit better. Uh, But we'll we'll see when they actually open it up. Uh, Obviously, if he comes off the... uh, off the NFI list and is practicing right after they close down media access to the practices, that's going to say something uh, about how much they're shielding him, have shades of Kevin Dodd coming back here, (laughs) uh, which I know PK is going to love. So I think when it comes to that coaching versus PR, how how you kind of balance that, obviously this is still an entertainment business. You have a, you do have a, um, some sort of an obligation to that fan perception. The thing of it that helps Vrabel is he's very active in the community. He's very active um, and supportive of his players. You see that in the stance they took against the civil rights and everything. Um, and so whenever you look at that and how Vrabel is perceived in the locker room, the players still love him. But I do think that he does have a very antagonistic view towards the media. The difference is, is that he is super active in the community. So he's still fulfilling that basic role from a PR perspective, just not through the normal media outlets that a lot of people do. Now that also helps if you're winning. A hundred percent. There's the, we we've talked about the past that you put up with a lot more when there's winning behind it than you will. If there's losing some of the shtick kind of gets old and it's not as great. So we'll see how how that goes, but hopefully they'll start stay winning, but you've made a good point there. He stays active in the community. stays active with his players. He, he, he listens to these players and he, he he goes about his business. I think that, with them in mind, I think a lot of his decisions when it comes to these kind of things is he thinks about the players kind of there in the front of his mind. So maybe he's not making every decision strictly about the players or, or that, but they're at least weighing on at least a part of his decision and, and how he goes about it. Otherwise, you'd see him talking a lot more than he does. So do you believe that, as uh, a lot of coaches believe, that winning is all that matters? Or do you feel like there is a responsibility, not just to coaching, but to PR? Do you feel like as a coach, you have a PR element that you have to be responsible for? I think this day and age, you have there's a, there is a level of PR you have to be responsible for as far as where you're, you're going. And you mentioned it about their their response to listening to their teammates and, and the good thing about canceling practice. And people were upset about that. But here's the thing is that you you gave your team a chance to voice what was on their mind. You gave them – and so if you just say, hey, we're just here to work, well, that, that tells them that, you, that they're, just a, they're just a football player to you. You're just interested in them as what they can do for you on the field, and but if you really say that that I I I value these people, I value them as human beings, then you can't sit there and say when something like that happens and when and there and there's this great cry to be heard, you can't at that point say no. We're just gonna we're just gonna go win football games because it's so much more than that, and especially like I, I almost started that with saying it's completely different at college and then you have the Nick Sabans of the world and people want to say he's a machine but if you listen to him he's pretty consistent about caring for his players and wanting them to graduate and wanting them to be better men than when they came in and that's his whole thing yeah I guarantee he likes his money he likes winning but he also has that aspect and I think that coaches these days especially you have to listen to your players you have to be conscious about what's going on and as far as the PR as far as how you're perceived to the media I think, and again, I start off by saying I think it's more playful than anything. I think that the variable just has this this game he's playing back and forth, and he's winning, 
He's a winning football coach right now. So it's, it's not a problem now, but when he loses, he does. I, I have seen him give more information. I have seen him be a little more open and he, he's a little more heartfelt. So I think he does a good balance of when things are important to talk about and when it is um, a point worth making. I think he he finds a good balance, and that speaks to him in the locker room, outside of the locker room, and I think that he's just a good balance of that so far. I mean, the PR element in college is super important for recruiting perspective, yeah, but 100%. when it comes to once they're in your program, it's a whole lot, I want to say, easier to influence athletes that aren't getting paid and younger guys that are really just finding themselves as adults kind of thing. And so the PR element that you have to kind of play up to an extent at the NFL level is, like you said, it's almost a, a duty to your players as much as it is to the fans. Now, that said, I do believe you have a very large aspect and obligation to the fans um, to an extent. To an extent, sure. Th- th- this could be a slippery slope in what uh, your fans believe in. Um, you obviously want to give back to the fans. You want to respect the fans, but you also have to respect the players first. Um, And so from an aspect of kind of coaching versus PR, just like um, some other topics in sports and politics, I think those lines get very blurred. And so you have to be some guy in today's day and age, today's instant reaction media, be able to play both sides to an extent. Be measured. Yep. Be measured in your responses and be, be thoughtful in your responses. But here's the thing. I always judge someone, I think, or not always, I tend to want to judge someone based on their actions over their words. And, and that just means, I don't, I'm not saying ignore every single word you hear out there or that, that people can't say bad things. I'm just saying that you look at Vrabel and how he responded to the tornadoes and how he responded to his community. This is on par for him. When things happen to pop up that he can help with the community and help heal, he looks to do that first. And I, and, and I think he's a good guy for doing that, and I hope to see that continue. We've covered a lot, Jonathan. We've hit a lot of the news and everything. Thank you all for the questions. Again, reach out to us on Coaches on Broadway. This has been the Coaches Corner, part of the Broadway Sports Network. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Make sure you're following your host. Also, JB on Broad for Jonathan, Ryan on Broadway for me, and the show. I've said it a few times, but just to get it back out there, at Coaches on Broad. Be sure to rate, subscribe, the backwards, I think you subscribe, then you rate five stars, five stars again. I don't care, just do, do both. Do both, just do that, and then make sure you're doing that before you close out of your program, but until next time, we out. See ya.